This message is brought to you by Cornerstone Gospel Church in Frankston, Australia. 1 Thessalonians. Hallelujah. And we've covered off most of the chapter, so we're just going to begin down at verse 13 and look at the last couple of thoughts on this chapter. There's, there are plenty of thoughts that we could go through and we could spend a lot of time uh, expositing from it. But I want you to consider with me three attributes that were present in the Thessalonian church that Paul uh, was very encouraging of them about this morning. And uh, I believe these are good attributes and they're attributes that every believer can learn from uh, in their Christian lives. So I believe there are many Christians today who have been driven away from erroneous churches that, that some of us were involved in erroneous church movements and, and as time went on, uh, God began to get a hold of your heart through the word, uh, sometimes through that strange process of God just bringing about a number of coincidences and, and a verse begins to be opened up to your life and and you begin to question things and, you know, then it's all over Red Rover once you start um, questioning things within a movement that you're involved in. And uh, But others have a desire to see truth reigning uh, not only in their own hearts, in, in their own lives, but in their church as well. And, and they see that uh, many times the church is just given over to a, a, uh, a, a system of teaching or belief, and that is restricting the uh, ability to learn from the Word of God and, and to allow the context of Scripture to come alive in people's lives. And uh, some, uh, you know, some even some in this room have seen the excesses of uh, charismatic movements that have um, gone uh, insanely astray and... Uh, one would have hoped that they would be would have been corrected, but still continue to this day some of some of the rubbish that is continuing on. Um, at the other end of that spectrum is the religious staleness of historical tradition for tradition's sake, and these kinds of things. And and uh, but Paul, I believe, brings such a simple clarifying injunction in this passage that is able to protect us from those kinds of extremes and and, uh, able to guide us in our hearts and in our lives. And it's all, remember, within the backdrop, if you go back to chapter 1 and verse 6, because it's all within the backdrop of this. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and in Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, 
whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So it's from that backdrop that Paul is writing that we gain this further instruction uh, and we'll read uh, from verse 13. But firstly, let's just pray. Uh, Father, we thank you this morning. We so thank you for this letter that is given to the church and we thank you for its timelessness, Lord, that your word is living, it is powerful, it is sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord, that it pierces into our lives and divides that which is of human origin of our flesh from that which is spirit of you. And so we ask you, Lord, that you would do that in our lives this morning. Help us to present our hearts to you, Lord God, open to receive the truth of your word. We praise you in the mighty name of Yeshua, the Messiah. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 13. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in new believers. All of this obviously ties in with with that which we just mentioned or, or that which I just prayed of, that God's word is living and powerful. And you've received this word, Paul says, as the word of God and it's at work in you. And this is a a wonderful thing for you to consider because as you read and meditate on God's word, it is at work in you. And sometimes that work is painful. Sometimes that work is, uh, well, it's always joyous, but there, there are times in which God's word at work in us can be a painful experience as it exposes to us wrongful thinking uh, that we may have. For you, brothers, verse 14, for you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and oppose all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. So as always to fill up the measure of their sins but wrath has come upon them at last. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavoured the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before the Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. What a, a fantastic passage as Paul uh, writes to them. And, you know, he's, he's very open and uh, he's confronting issues. He's saying that uh, the Judaizers are, are trying to hinder us from speaking the gospel uh, to the Gentiles, that they might be saved. And uh, as a consequence of that, wrath has come upon them. Uh, and he says, but it's, uh, it's such a desire of ours to come and be with you. We're eagerly desiring this, but there's been hindrance in this process. And uh, then he says, but 
you know, is maybe he's reminding himself of something that he wants to remind them of, that what matters to us is that one day you, brethren, are going to be our crown and our boasting before the Lord. So Paul is not boasting in his achievements, of which there was quite a long list of achievements in Paul's life. This is a, a, a hugely talented, skilled, educated man, a, a zealot uh, as an unbeliever, and then a zealot for Christ as a believer in the good sense of the word. So let's think firstly about their appreciation of the word of God. Verse 13, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. So it's important for us to be reminded of this, that this is how they received the word, not as the word of men, uh, but as what it really is, the word of God. Now, Paul was not preaching to them First Thessalonians when he went to them. He was preaching out of Old Testament scriptures. That's what Paul was doing. And he was unlocking those Old Testament scriptures with the revelation of who the Messiah was. And he was bringing that to them and, and bringing the gospel to them in the explanation of Jesus and his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his soon return, all of these things. Now, the Bible is not as any other book. And Paul says this to them. You didn't receive the word uh, as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. So here's an interesting thought. Well, it may be a dull thought. I'll say it's an interesting thought, but you can decide on that. Um, you know, not here to put those ideas into your head. But if we spent more time meditating over God's word, then, T-H-E-N, then as in then what? What would be the outcome in your life? Where would God lead you if you spent more time meditating over his word? And that that's a question that is really unanswerable in, in so many ways, but we know that there would be growth. We know that there would be peace. We know that there would be development. We know that there would be revelation about God. But who knows what ministry God may lead your life into as a consequence of meditating over his word. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, but his delight is in the law of God and in his law he does meditate night and day. The the psalmist goes on to say that he'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And there is one amazing thing that God does as you and I meditate in his word is that he plants us down into the firmness of a soil that is nutritious and that is supplied. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Well, that always brings to mind for me because I'm a, a Mallee boy originally, born up in the Mallee. Uh, you know, it's a pretty... Pretty sparse, arid kind of area in many ways. People don't realize that Victoria does have its own deserts and, uh, you know, that there are desert regions right there. And, uh, you know, but 
when you get onto that Murray River, you see something along there, and that is those those fantastic river red gums. Like, there's almost nothing like those those trees, you know, with their root systems that stretch out. And that river floods, especially when the uh, greedy government takes its hands off the water supplies <laughs> and uh, stops ruining farmers' lives. That river floods, and it floods far and wide, and that's how... Uh, you know, naturally God would fertilise the lands by rotting down all the vegetation etc that was parked on the land over time and that water would just rot it down into the land and make it fertile as opposed to how it is now. And those trees though, some of them have been there for hundreds of years and they would stand the test of that water that was rushing through those lands. Why? Because they're like a, a tree planted by the rivers of water, so there's supply, but their roots go down deep and they're strong. And this is the indication that the psalmist is giving that as you and I nestle our hearts into meditating upon God's word, that God does something to deepen our lives and to strengthen our lives and to, and to bring us into the place in which we are by the resource that he wants to bring us, the resource of his word. Job said, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. I mean, and the, you know, this is not a bloke who could just walk down to the supermarket just because at the last minute, oh, we haven't got anything in the freezer or in the fridge. You know, this is a time where it was rise, kill and eat. And that process is going to take you most of the day or maybe most of the day before to prepare for the next day. If you've ever done some hunting, you you know what it involves, that there's work involved in it. Matthew says that God's word is bread. Hebrews says that it is milk and meat. Psalms 119 says that it is even like honey. So we talked of these things last week, so I want to move on. Because in order for you and I to have victory in suffering, there is an importance that our hearts are settled in the revelation of God's word, that we appreciate the word, but there's also a second attitude to it, because it's not just an appreciation of the word, but there is to be an appropriation of the word, an appropriation. Appropriation goes beyond the appreciation. If, if you know, if I was to be loaded with money and and uh, and I was to say, hey, um, you know, uh, I might just keep it in the family. Um, hey, Jad, I've got all this money for you, and he said, oh, that's great, and then uh, he did nothing about it. It would it would not serve any purpose for him. It might just sit in an account and grow some interest, but if he never found the account numbers and how to get a hold of that money, it would serve no purpose to him because he has to go through the steps of appropriating it. So it's one thing to meditate over the Word of God, but it is another thing to appropriate it. Now think about what Paul says because he uses two different words here in verse 13, that give us a little bit of understanding of this. We also thank God constantly for this, 
that when you received the word which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Now, to receive and to accept are similar words to us in, in English, but the Greek for these words has a different application to it. So the first word, you receive the word of God to accept from another. This is about the delivery that Paul and the, you know, his team that were there evangelizing these people in Thessalonica. This is about what they did as they were teaching people. And he says, you received that. You took as from another this truth that we delivered to you. But then he says, you accepted it, not as the word of men. Now this word, so the first one was paralambano, which means to receive from another. The second is decamai, which means to deliberately accept. So maybe the difference might be that we hear something and then in the meditating over that we go, you know what, that is truth. And we take that in and we begin to live that truth actually in our lives. It, it's this deliberate acceptance. One means like a hearing of the ear. The other is an application to the heart. And this is this connection that, that scripture has. And, you know, we're in this generation now that, that speaks about the heart as if the heart is somehow separate to the mind biblically. But biblically, the mind and the emotions are entwined together. And Paul is saying to them, we brought you a message that you received. You you accepted that message from us, but then you took it in to be yours. And this is a, an important thing. You accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Now, if we just hear words, if we're just listening then those words will pretty much have no application or meaning to our lives. But as we take those words in and we begin to understand them and we're processing them, and I, you know, we always encourage you to be discerning listeners, and that's what I believe Paul is talking about here. This is part of it, that they were discerning, they were hearing this, and then they said, this is a word from God. And they took that in and they began to live and act upon that word. The believers at Thessalonica did not only hear the word, they took it in to the inner man. They, they made it part of their lives. This is uh, uh, this um, uh, appropriation of the word. Not just a hearing of the word, but they're appropriating the word. Not just appreciating, but appropriating. Jesus said, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear in Mark 4. But if you go to that passage, Mark 4, 24, he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. So verse 23, he says, if you have ears to hear, hear. Then in verse 24, he says, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. This is this appropriation. As we appropriate the word of God, God will add more to you. My first pastor used to say the only truth you own is the truth you live. And 
it's a it's a powerful understanding that that we would live the word of God and therefore God would then extend to us further understanding that we might live that also for to the one who has more will be given and from the one who has not even what he has will be taken away you've probably heard it said that in the Christian life if you're not moving forwards you're going backwards how often believers hear the word at church and we get in our cars the radio comes on or we get home the TV comes on or we tune into a podcast or we go out to lunch and we joke about football and next year's grand final talk about something meaningful and um, you know these things can happen that take away the impression that God is making upon our hearts in a meeting. Whether it's in a a church meeting or in a Bible study or in a fellowship where the word of God has been opened up to us in that time, that we can go out the door and we can be engaged in something else that can take away the impact that God is bringing in our lives. There's a story of one church in Britain that was famed for its practices of, of sitting down after the benediction, which we talked about recently, now unto him who is able to keep, so they'd sing that and say amen, you know, at the end of it. And it's it's beautiful. It's a nice way to finish the service. But then they would sit down together in groups, in small groups, and they would meditate on the word that had been preached and the scriptures used, and then allow the spirit to bring them further instruction in their lives. That's that's a wonderful practice, isn't it? You know, and uh, and God ministered in those people's lives. Uh, this is maybe a, a challenge to us. In Luke eight eighteen, the Lord said, "Take heed, therefore, how you hear." So how we hear is important. The Bible's not like any other book. If you're a, a young believer, when you read the Bible. Ask yourselves the five W's and the H question, you know. Who, what, where, when, why, how. They're they're really simple, really simple questions. But if you ask that, those are way better questions than what does this mean to me? That's an invalid question. That, That question is invalid because it doesn't matter what it means according to me it matters what it means first of all first of all that's the first priority of context you know the three rules of bible interpretation context 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 right and then you know these are the important things so who who wrote it to whom are they writing about whom are they speaking you know these kinds of questions are important and as you as you do that and rather than trying to race through and I'm going to read the Bible 14 times this six months rather than doing that which is great you know go ahead and do that but rather than just doing that spend time meditating over a passage ask who the who question you can ask the who question in Thessalonians Paul and the Thessalonians You'll see other names come up in there. you see other countries or other cities come up in there. And these are important cities that, that 
Paul talks about and it gives you information because it tells you not only who's writing it and to whom, but it brings into the picture other people who were either impressed or were oppressors and all different kinds of things. Paul says, you received a persecution from your fellow countrymen like we did from our Jewish brethren. They were trying to stop us from preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. And then he's saying to them, you were persecuted by Thessalonian Thessalonian idolaters. They were trying to stop you. But it seemed to accelerate things. What? What's the subject? What lesson is there? What lesson for me? What lesson was Paul giving them? What was the, what's the, the big picture? That's, you know, our, our problem theologically often is that we read a verse and we get stuck on one word and we miss its context. Get back out, move out, don't be like that fly that is on a painting thinking he's on a wet red wall and he moves out and he's on blue poles. You know, that's a strange painting. It's worth millions of dollars for some strange reason, dribbling ink down a canvas. But, you know, that's, you know, move back. See the colors, see the nuances of the scripture. These are the what questions. Not all passages of instruction have, or not all passages of scripture have a, have a direct application to you. Believe it or not. You can learn a lesson from it, but it's, it's not necessarily instructing you to do something. You don't have to go and circumcise your children. You don't have to. It's not about that. Paul says the true believers are those who are circumcised of the heart. You know, so that doesn't have a direct application to you. You can't read that and say, oh, I'm going to be like those Jewish believers. But you're not a Jewish believer. You're a Gentile believer. You're in a different time and culture. But there are relevant lessons to you that have to be put through those filters. What might be the application if there is? What is the context? Remember, the three rules of context? Context is king, is another saying. Get that right. Step back and, and look at the big picture first of all and then work your way into the detail. This is That's the safe way to read scripture. What about where? Where was it written? From, you know... Paul wrote much of his writings from within a prison cell and kept talking about the joy he had. That paints a fantastic picture for us because when we know that Paul wrote much of what he wrote from a place of persecution and yet he was rejoicing in the Lord, we can take an encouragement from that. Where is he speaking of? When? Or what does it matter when it was written? It can matter a lot. We've been studying the book of Revelation, which was written somewhere after 92 AD. So what? Well, that has impact upon 70 AD and the destruction of Jerusalem because it was written afterwards. It was written during the reign of the Emperor Domitian. So it's written from 92 onwards somewhere. This this matters. When is a, a text speaking of? Paul says that he desired to go to them um, but he was hindered, Satan hindered him. Go back into the book of Acts and have a look at that. And you can see in the book of Acts when they went there in relation to the journey through the book of Acts. Why? Why do these questions matter? Why, why is God telling this information to them? Paul will state early on why he's writing the letter. That helps you to determine the context. 
This is really important stuff, but it's so basic. So if you're a young believer, get those questions down. It's a very simple way to read scripture. And as you read through like that, you can then come to that question of how. How does this impact me? How should I respond to this? How do I apply this? How do I grow in this? How does this lesson that Paul is giving to that culture affect me? How is there a similarity between our culture and that culture? Luke 8 verse 16, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed. He puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. We can be very careless listeners today. We're, we're in an information overload in our generation. If we want any information, we just Google it. I was, I was thinking while, while Chris was reading the scripture just before Acts chapter 1. And, and so I got out my phone and opened my Logos and, and was reading along with it. Just looking across the room and uh, 90% of the church was doing that as well. And I can still remember to when people first started bringing these things along to church with their Bibles on it. And it was like, well, is this right? You know? It's, it is definitely smaller than the scrolls, you know. It's a bit lighter, a bit more convenient. You know, it's it's not the right question. But we in our generation don't want to be a careless hearer simply because we have access to information all the time. We don't want to take this information and treat it like the the ready availability of all other information. This is not that information. Paul says you took this as what it really is, the Word of God. So there is an importance to this and we should take heed to how we hear, how we appropriate the word. Understand, get that context, ask those questions, meditate on it. Finally, though, there comes one last step and that is after we've done these things and we're, we've heard this, we're, we're listening to the word of God, we're meditating on it, we're asking God to show us about ourselves and then what do we have to do? We have to step out, put it into place in our lives. That's the nature of repentance. Repentance is that we turn from to. So when when people talk about placing faith in Christ, faith in Christ is coupled with repentance. The two are part of the one thing and People often use the terms repentance and faith like there's something separable in them. But to for one to truly place faith in Jesus Christ, they must turn from their sin to place faith in Jesus. And so there is a coupling of these two aspects of understanding the gospel. So when we present the gospel to someone, we're pushing for them to come to this understanding, to be convinced of the truth of Jesus and to turn from their sin and place their faith in Jesus Christ. The two to go, go together. And it's that's a process, as I think it was Harry Ironside who said, 
uh, I, I repented once when I got saved and I've been repenting a lot more since then. That, that you and I, when we come to Christ and we placed a repentant faith in Jesus Christ, as God gives us instruction from the word, what is he calling us to do? He's calling us to turn from error to truth, from wrong behavior to right behavior all the time. That's the nature of 2 Corinthians 10, as Paul talks about the tearing down of the strongholds of wrong thinking. He says, what do we do? We punish those strongholds of wrong thinking with the truth. We replace them with the truth. So we stop thinking on that error, we start thinking on the truth. So this is an important principle for us. It's this application of the word. And we also thank God constantly for this. For when you receive the word, which you heard from us and accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Paul was concerned over the welfare of these believers. He says, but since we were torn away from you, brothers and sisters, for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. So because of this concern that Paul had. So remember, he's gone in, he's pioneered a church and within a very short period of time of just weeks, maybe a month or or two at the most, He's uprooted from there and pushed out of the place for his own safety. And and so then they don't know what's happening with these believers. What's going on? We wanted to know. And so he said, but, but each time we came to come, you know, to come and see how you're going, we were hindered from doing this. So in chapter 3, verse 6, in, in chapter 3, Paul goes through this explaining that we sent Timothy And to to make it short, let's go to what he hears from Timothy in verse 6. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, we send him to you so we can actually know, now he's come back from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. This is the comfort that they wanted. This is a new church. I can't imagine how Paul would have been feeling to go in and see this church pioneered and in such a short time to be uprooted from it and and to be, you know, concerned as he was as a, as a concerned father. The good news was, though, that Timothy brought back a report about their faith and their love. Timothy uncovered the certainty of their belief. This word, faith, has that understanding of the... the um, uh, the certainty of belief. They obeyed the word. They applied it in their lives. And as a result, as a consequence of that, they, Paul was able to receive this report from Timothy that there was a, a certainty of their faith. It's not enough just to appreciate the Bible. It's not enough just to appropriate the scriptures, take it in, We we need a head and heart knowledge of God's word and we need to be willing to walk in obedience to it. We need an application of it. James 1 says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness 
and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And this is what Paul has to say about the Thessalonians, is that they were applying their appreciation and their appropriation of the word of God. Wearsby said, when we believe God's word and obey, he releases his power that works in our lives to fulfill his purposes. What a great quote. Should have read that first and we could have said amen. (laughs) Appreciate, appropriate and apply. This is the heart, the mind and the will that we walk in those areas. Amen. The whole person can then be controlled by God's word and will in their lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's all I have there. Praise God. Our Father, we thank you and we praise you. Thank you so much for this letter. It's only a short one, Lord, but it is filled to the brim and overflowing with your life and vitality. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for his coming to this earth that he might propitiate for us in his blood. We praise you. Thank you, Lord, for each one here this morning. And Lord, as we continue on in some time of fellowship, we ask for your blessing in that time. Help us, Lord, that we would meditate over your word, not not particularly over this sermon, but over your words, Lord, that are printed and are able to be accessed in this day and age so readily. Help us to meditate over it that you might transform our lives day by day. We praise you in the mighty name of your Son. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this message. You're welcome to duplicate this message in its entirety for non-profit purposes. For more information and resources, visit cgc.org.au.